You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God, you see it up in your Bible at Hebrews chapter 4. I want to begin a series today. It's going to take some time to get through because this is going to be such an important foundation to the next phase that God is taking us into where He has given us a promise of great recovery. There's revelation that God has been releasing in the church over decades, and it's something He revealed in my heart many years ago. I walked in it, spoke from it, taught from it, and there was a time when, uh, even though I was speaking it, I could sense it wasn't necessarily being received as a whole. And so I spent, went to the Lord and I said, what is going on? Because if I do anything, I want to do it by your spirit, and that's for the purpose of equipping the church. And he said, at that time, he was revealing things to me, but the church was not yet ready to receive it. And I understand that because you do know that the church has been through some uh, terrible times in the past where even though Jesus had established his kingdom, the disciples went out, they went under great persecution in spreading the gospel. And eventually, the devil working hard and fast to shut that gospel down managed to get it to to take the word of God out the hands of the people. And the world went through what we call the dark ages. It's called the dark ages because there was no light from the word of God. It was hidden in monasteries and controlled by a select few people. And very few people really knew what the Bible said. But praise God, God through His grace and His mercy moved and got the gospel back into the hands of people. And we started learning things like the just shall live by faith. And then from there he went on and and just as the word says, line upon line, precept upon precept, reintroduced what the disciples were walking in already. We saw revival of understanding faith, revival of signs and wonders, revival of miracles, revival of the charismatic gifts, revival of the various fivefold ministries. And so we can only receive at the level of what we can believe. And so you have to deal with a lot of tradition. But over the years, God has been cleaning that up and bringing His church to a place where they can start to receive the deep things of the kingdom of God which 10, 20, 30, even 40 years ago may have said, no, that just, can that even be so? But God has been revealing it from time to time. And you will hear it as you, as you gain revelation of the kingdom. You go, hang on, I did hear that in a message, but we didn't see it at the time because the light that we had was not sufficient to highlight that, but what we needed was always there. That's the reason why you can speak to a crowd like this. Like if, if, if you went into a, uh, into a university and you tried to teach them on, you know, if you just get a random crowd like this and you get someone up here to try and teach on, say, um, rocket science, you know, you're going to all the calculus and the physics, you'll lose most of us. Like, it's just over our heads. We're not, you know, he's just blah, 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 blahing. Some people get excited. Yeah, this is what they like to hear. But when you get into a Word of God situation, have you noticed that someone who's just been born again and someone who's been a Christian for 50 years gets something? Because the Spirit of God has a way of highlighting the Word you need for your situation, for your moment. And so the same way, as the church, God has been speaking, but He's always spoken the same Word, but the light has become more and more. And the more we grow in revelation as a church, the more we step into the deeper things. 
And it's those deeper things of, of God that we are ready to move into. He says, I has not seen nor has ear heard what I have prepared, but the Spirit of God reveals them to you. And so in order to get there, there's a foundation that the Lord now has revealed to me. He says, now we're ready to move into that phase, but we need to have the certain foundation in place. It's understanding the kingdom of God, and it's understanding the concept of rest. And if we don't understand the concept of rest, we won't be able to step into what God has for us. And for most of us, when we hear the word rest, we think of when we're tired. Now, we need to sit down and take a break. And that is the one concept of rest. The other one is this one thing that you've noticed. The way the devil works is that either he will make sure you don't get the truth by hiding it. Remember, the thief comes immediately to steal the word. But then also, once you get the word, if he wasn't able to steal it, well, then you'll bring tribulation, persecution, try and bring an offense to get you to turn off it. But if that doesn't work, if you don't get offended and you stay with it, no, I believe, hallelujah, I'm not going for any reason, then he'll get you involved in the deceitfulness of riches, cares of this world, the lust for other things. He'll get you involved in doing and in the trappings of doings. You can be doing and thinking you're serving God, but lose the power of it. That's why when Jesus came to the earth, he spoke to the Pharisees of the day, that those were the teachers, those that were supposed to be speaking the word of God, and said, you have made my word null and void by your tradition. So what has happened is Satan says, okay, so you believe, well, let's make it a religious ritual. And if I make it a religious ritual, it steals the power from it. So you can be praising and worshiping, but because someone's just doing it because they have to in church, there's no power in it, even though there's tremendous power in praise and worship. It can be in any area of life. Communion can just become done. Or is there something important for it? What, is, what am I doing in this moment? If you understand the life of it. And so the same way, rest, when you think of rest in terms of perspective, I'm going to introduce a word now, and then we will deal with it later, is the word Sabbath. And if you think of Sabbath as rest, that's the wording, you know Sabbath has been turned into a religious ritual that the power was stolen. If we don't understand the true meaning of Sabbath, then what happens is we can land up in a place where Sabbath becomes a rule and a ritual that, you know, you don't do anything on a Saturday and you go to church and you do everything you're supposed to do on one day. And then that can become just as dogmatic and as ritualistic, but there's no power in it. And I know a lot of Christians do ask, but where does Sabbath fit in the church? And that's been asked many times. Now, I've, I've spoken about it a lot of times in different messages and in, in moments, but the Lord has really led me to get us to a place where we can really understand how does God see rest? What does God mean by rest? And why is it called the Sabbath? And how does it, why is it important in the kingdom of God? And yeah, you see in Hebrews chapter 4, Verse 1 says, there's a promise that remains of entering his rest. Now, that's an interesting wording. There's a promise that remains. In other words, remember the Bible says that Jesus has been retained in the heavenlies 
until the restoration of all things and that all things spoken by all the prophets from the beginning. So it's the, all the promises of God are yes and amen. So God has given all these promises through the word of God. But he's not sending Jesus back until every promise is been, has been understood and lived in by his church. God didn't give a promise, and then he comes back and says, you're still five, yeah, you didn't get. No, he wants every promise fulfilled. And yeah, in Hebrews, he uses the word, there's still a promise that remains. In other words, you, you're getting what I'm teaching. I'm revealing to you what you need to know. But there's one thing yeah that you still haven't quite entered into. There's still a promise that remains. You, you, you're hearing what I'm teaching. But now I need you to understand this promise. And so, family of God, I believe that 2,000 years later, the church has still been battling to get a hold of this. But we praise God, He gives us wisdom and insight to understand these things. So if there's a promise that remains of entering His rest, then I want to receive that. If He says that I should enter His rest, okay, so there's this thing called entering His rest. Then how do I do that? What is that? Because I have to know what it is and how to do it. I'm going to say, okay, I enter his rest. What does that mean? You know, <laughs> what, what happens next? What do we do from here? So that's what we want to have a look at. Now notice he says here, since this promise remains, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. Wow. Now that's heavy words because God has not given us a spirit of fear but of love, power, and sound mind. So he's not talking about, you know, being afraid, scared. But he's saying, this is something that's so important that it's going to affect you, that if you're not there yet, make every decision to get there. This is, has to be applied if we're going to see things working in the church of God. Let us fear, lest we come short of it. For indeed... The gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now, who's this to them? Now, you study out the context. We're not going to do that for today's sake. Is that he's talking about when the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, out of bondage, went through a Red Sea. I mean, that sea opened and they walked through on dry land. That was no miracle that someone could turn back and say, I wonder if that really happened. <laughs> that, you know, maybe I can explain it to something in science. No, no, that was a miracle that everybody from the youngest to the oldest knew the only reason we got through this. We walked through a sea on dry land. Those that were living saw that. These are the same people that God brought quail in millions, to feed three million people. How many birds do you need? I mean, come on, a bird is not, probably not even enough for me to eat. One bird. But this is three million people, not birds. So it was coming and sticking in their teeth. They, 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 the Bible says they, they, they didn't even want to eat it anymore. God brought water out of rock. Angel food out of heaven. These are people seeing the hand of God firsthand. And the Bible says here that the gospel was preached to them. And these are the people he's talking about. And he says here, but for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard 
did not profit them. God was giving them the same message you're getting today. And it didn't help them. Didn't work for them. How come they still struggle, still battle, and when it came time to enter into the promised land, into everything God had prepared for them. Listen, family, how many you know God has prepared great things for you? He's prepared. He says, eyes not seen, nor ear heard. There's things that we can't even imagine that when it happens, God, I would not have even have thought of that. There's a promised land for you and me. And yet they died in the wilderness. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. It was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, family of God, how does faith come? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if they heard it, they must have had faith. Come on. Faith comes by hearing. So they heard. It says there, they heard the word. So they had faith. So they had faith, but they didn't mix it. See, we're talking about something here that some say, but I got faith. I thought I had faith. There's a mixing. Bump your name and say, there's a mixing. How does this mixing happen? When does mixing happen? He says, they did not mix it with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. We who believe enter a rest. That rest. We're talking about a specific rest here. That rest. Say this. Those who believe, that's me, enter a rest. The rest. Now, as he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Come on. Every time I see that kind of statement, I get excited. We wondering, God, don't you see I'm in trouble? Can't you see I need help? Yeah, can't, when are you going? No, come on. God knew you were going to be in trouble long before he even created you, before you were even born, before he even said, let there be light. He knew there would be a world, and then he knew there would be an Allen bag. And he knew what Alan would go through. He knew Alan would turn against him and he knew Alan would sin and blaspheme and, and, and just walk away and, 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 and criticize and moan and complain against Christians. He knew that he would have a mother that would pray for him and he knew that he would, if he was given the opportunity, he would come back to me. But for him to come back, my son Jesus would have to die on a cross. And before he even said, let there be light, he looked at Jesus and said, now for Alan to enjoy what he needs to enjoy, you're going to have to go to the cross and give your blood. And Jesus said, that's fine, I'll do it. And he did exactly. Now everywhere you heard Alan Bay, you can put your name in there. 
Before God even said, let there be light, before the foundation of the world, everything you need, want, or desire for your eternal life, for your serving Jesus, for the ministry you're walking in, the business you walk in, the family you have, the provision, your house you live in, the car you need to drive, everything you could need in life was already settled before He said, Light be. So if it's settled and it's done, then why have we been struggling with it? Well, we know Satan entered into the earth and brought in the curse. And Jesus had to destroy that work. And when he came on the cross and he died on that cross, He said, it is finished. What it? It. The plan of God. Everything God had established before the foundation of the world. There's your statement. It says, yeah. The works were finished. So when Jesus said, it is is finished, he's establishing the work. The work. Everybody say the work. I'm jumping a little ahead of myself here, but when we say the work, remember Jesus said the works that I do, you will do also. He doesn't call them miracles. We, we, we see something happen and it's contrary to natural laws, and because we can't explain it in natural laws, we call it a miracle. But someone who operates at the level of kingdom of God understands they're in control of the natural law. And it's just called work. You work the laws. I, I, I need that, that law not to take 24 hours. I need that law that normally takes 24 hours to work in the next five minutes. And so I work the law, and because time's subject to me, it works in five minutes. And that wasn't a miracle, that was me working the kingdom. Jesus operated at that level. He could make water solidify at the moment his foot hit it. And then when his foot left, it wasn't solid anymore. Didn't say he floated. He walked. You getting this? So, I understand when we say miracles, and we keep calling for miracles. I believe for miracles. But I believe miracles are God's rescue plan for those that haven't yet discovered the kingdom. When you discover the kingdom, you work the miracles. Now, what are we saying? Everything you need to cause to happen was finished before the foundation of the world. Satan corrupted that, but when Jesus died on the cross, he settled what was finished before the foundation of the world is now settled in the cross. It is finished, which means that in his resurrection, it is now activated. So those in the wilderness 
could have already been exist, could have been operating these things. Jesus proved that. You read through the Old Covenant, anyone that believed for a moment, they would see miracles. But now that you're born again, the knowledge of that dwells with inside you. It lives within you. Now those that didn't have the knowledge in them saw great works. You heard today about how Elijah caused flour and oil to multiply. How can a man of God say that? Because he understood if he said it, it's going to do it. And he wasn't born again. You are. So he's operating from power without. You operate with power from within. Are you getting what I'm saying yet? You, you see where we're going with this. So now he has said it is finished from the foundation of the world. So that means whatever you want and you see from the Word of God that you know needs to happen, the plan, the purpose, everything that needs to be done for it to happen is already completed. We are not waiting on God anymore. It's not like God still has to do something. God, why haven't you moved yet? He's looking at you like, really? I've done all the moving. I'm waiting for those who believe. Is anyone like that yet today? Verse 4. He has spoken in a certain place. Underline certain place. Because that'll be part two. He has spoken in a certain place. Of the seventh day. Everyone say seventh day. In this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Well, do you think God ever gets tired? The word says God never sleeps nor slumbers. You've got to be some kind of person that doesn't need sleep. Come on, have you your need sleep? God doesn't. He, he's awake all the time. That's some kind of power. That's some kind of energy. Hello. So if he never sleeps and never slumbers, you understand when it says here that he rests, it wasn't because he was tired. So something's been revealed here. Verse 5. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Now, that particular quote comes from Numbers 14, verse 23. Numbers 14, 23. And God said that because even though <laughs> he had to basically drive them through the desert with, with miracle after miracle after miracle, eventually he got them to the River Jordan and he said, now it's time to go in. And even there, they went in, had a look, and came back and said, okay, it's nice, but they're giants. What's with the but? Didn't God bring you here? Didn't he set it up for you? Everything he's done for you so far? It's there. It's ready for your taking. 
yeah, but uh, yeah, we, no, you're just going to go in there and we're going to get killed. Now, you really think God brought you all this way and you're going to die. And they said, no, we're not doing it now. And they had to go walk around in the wilderness another 40 years. And God said, because even though you saw the land, but you couldn't believe you, you could have it. Here's the key. Even though you see the land, but you don't think you can have it, then you can't enter my rest. Then, then, then anyone in that place is not able to enter rest and lose the very thing you're desiring. Family, God is offering his kingdom to you. It's finished. It's available. But how much of the church is looking at that and thinking, yes, one day when we get to heaven? No. Jesus said, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, but I don't know if that's for the whole church. Come on, you've heard these things. Maybe you thought them. I know I was brought up in a in a religious institution that, that said similar things. You never know what God's going to do. And we must just worship Him in all of our hurts and sorrows and pains. And that has a truth, it has a foundation there. You worship Him even in your bad times, but it's with an expectancy of deliverance. Say amen. amen. So, because they didn't believe they could go in, God says, they won't enter my rest. Everyone say, my rest. So this is the rest of God. This is more than just sleeping or taking a break. This is, everyone say, the rest of God. Verse 6. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And to those to whom it was first preached, did not enter because of disobedience. So the rest exists for you to enter into it. But they didn't because of disobedience. All the disobedient people, please put their hands up. Okay, you're making a bold statement. I didn't think any hand would go up. But I want to make sure we're talking to the right crowd. We're saying we don't want to miss it like they did. We have an example, and if we have an example, there's no ways I'm going to make the same mistake. How do you say amen to that? Verse 7. Again, he designates a certain day. Everybody say a certain day. What day is that? Saying in David, today, 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 okay, maybe I've been in this longer than you have. I've heard it said many times, but revelation of today hit me. When it's, read what it says, God designates a certain day. What's he saying? There was a day you were destined to be saved. Isn't that right? 
And what day was that? It was the day you gave your life to Jesus. Isn't that right? How many got a date? For you, how many you remember that, your particular date? Not everyone does. I don't have one. Mine was, I just, well, it was a Tuesday. But, <laughs> but I don't remember the exact date of, the, of that appointment. But, but some of us have a date. Yes? Okay. So when you woke up that morning, what day was it? Today. See, the day you chose to receive your salvation, it made it today. What would have happened if 10 years before you got the message and you said, you know what? I believe. What day would that have been? Today. And when would you have been saved? Today. Yet you got saved 10 years later. Why? Because that was your today. You decide on your today. I said, you decide on your today. When will God heal you? When will God give you your house? When will God give you your car? See, some of us are still waiting. Maybe next year, or maybe 10 years time, or maybe when I get a better job, or maybe when... No, God designates a day. And he tells David, today. When are you going to believe? <laughs> so God designates a certain day and says to David, today. And after such a long time, it's been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Underline that. How many times have I heard things from the Bible and I didn't receive it because I had a hard heart? I didn't have to wait all those years to get saved. I didn't have to go through the heartache and pain to get saved. I didn't have to wait until I was almost destroyed to be rescued financially. I didn't have to wait if I just learned not to harden my heart. But when I allowed my heart to open and receive the Word of God, the day I heard salvation, today I was saved. The day I heard that when I tithe, the windows of heaven open. I tithe that day. Today, my windows opened and we were blessed. When I heard we couldn't have children, we took the word of God and we said, today, and we fell pregnant. Are you getting a hold of this? It make today your day. And don't let your heart be hardened. Now, I'm asking you to underline that so that you remember that for the rest of the series. Because I'm going to say some things that to a religious mind, are going to be difficult to receive. And I'm preparing you so don't harden your heart because God has a promise of a rest for you where you're going to see these promises. Verse 8, if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. 
There remains a rest for the I am your God. What does he say? You are my people. This is you. Say this is me. Verse 10. For he who has entered his rest, the rest of God, has himself ceased from his works as God did from his. If you enter the rest of God, you cease from works, the laboring, the stress, the worrying, the toil. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Everybody say diligent. What does that mean? This is going to require a decision and activation. This doesn't just happen because we heard about it on Sunday. Labor to enter rest. Diligent to enter rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. We, want, we don't want to make the same mistake. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than to any edge than any two edge to any than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word knows who decides to believe. And for those that decide. It is more powerful than anything you can imagine. And so the word gives us instruction to be diligent to enter that rest. How many of you want to know how to do that? That's where we're going to be taking time. What is the rest? Understand kingdom Sabbath. And then how do we enter that? How do we do that? And when we understand that, we will then enter the promised land just as God had promised that the children of Israel had entered the rest. They would have experienced it. But praise God, you and I have that example to not make the same mistake, but we make a decision that we are also going to enter that rest. Amen. How many are you going to be back next week to hear? You ready? Come on, give Jesus praise for his word. Let's stand together. Raise your hand to the Lord and put your other hand on your heart and say this. Today I've heard the word of God. That word brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer. Not a doubter. As a hearer of the word, I'm also a doer. From today, I make a decision that I enter the rest of God. God, you've given me promises. I believe. I am a believer. And I will not fail through disobedience. I make a choice to obey and to walk 
in the fullness of your word. And as I do, as I enter your rest, I will see your work manifesting in me, through me, and for your kingdom. I give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.